Turn your hearts to him this morning, church. Thank you, Father God. Just when we were worshipping then, God gave me a picture. And it was a picture of a battlefield. And it was like in the battlefield, there was so much that had gone on. Like it was bloody. There was people. There, there was a lot that had gone on. And I just feel like there's people here today and God's saying, you've gone through the battle. God's saying the battle has actually stopped, but you've lied down with the broken. You've lied down with the ones that have been defeated. And God says, that's not where I've called you to be. He says, stand up, rise up, church. And the scripture that I got was Psalm 91, 7 and 8. And it says, a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Father God, we just speak to every heart, Lord, that's weary. Father, the ones that have lied down in the battle, just stretch out your hands to him this morning. He wants to uh, He wants to refresh you and he wants to revive you this morning. He hasn't called you to lie down with the broken. He says you're more than a conqueror. Father God, we just speak to every weary heart. And it's like you're saying to God, can't you see what's going on? And God says, I can. God says, I can see it, but it's time to rise up now. Father, we just thank you, Lord God. We just praise you this morning, Father. Every weary heart, Father, everyone that's lied down in the battle, they're not called to be there. They're called to stand up. He says, you're not called to lie down in the broken. He says, you're called to set the broken free. It's time to stand up now, church. God knows there's a battle going on, but he says, I've already defeated the enemy. It happened 2,000 years ago. The church are not supposed to be among the broken. We thank you, Father God. Your church is rising up this morning. God says, I know I can see it, but he says, I will not fail you. I will not fail you. Thank you, Father God. By your spirit this morning, Father, every heart that's weary, Lord, we just see people walk out revived and refreshed. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father. Just receive that church. He's doing it by his spirit this morning. Wow. Well, praise the Lord. It's good to, good to get something that uh, hits people right where they are. Amen. And, you know, uh, some carry brokenness around like it's some type of identity. You know, God needs to help you to understand that the identity he wants for you is who you are in Christ. You know, who you become in him. And, uh, and he has healing for brokenness. He has, he has, um, uh, a healing balm for you that if you'll just press in for it, he'll 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 bring it. Amen. Well, that wasn't rehearsed. That wasn't something that Jess told me about that she had, but I just knew she had something. Amen. So, um, you know, I I just pray that you you take that and let the joy rise up because the Lord's speaking to you about what you've been carrying. Okay. Amen. What? Why are we all hunched up at the back over there? I'm sitting down with an empty front row and nearly all of you could have come and f- sat down here in the spare seats. Come down, plenty of room down the front. Some people even come and sit in my chair if they want, just for a little while. <laughs> just for a little while. <laughs> plenty of room down the front if you're not comfortable sitting at the back. Praise the Lord. So, um, wow. How many of you know that the Holy Spirit's leadership is about him 
filling our lives and also us being led by him. How many know that that's, that's the equation? That's what we're called to, is to be filled with him. And, um, you know, sometimes life's events can make you feel fairly empty, can make you feel like, oh, I don't know if I'll ever get out of this. But, you know, just messages like the one that we just received tells us that, you know, God's got better things for us than for us to lie down in defeat, rather to get up and be victorious. You know, his promises are there for us to appropriate, you know, and to walk in. And uh, he has healing balm for us all. Well, hallelujah, I've I've, uh, got my little clicker here that I'll just get going with. And, um, you know, coming into uh, last week's message, and we we did cover some area the last few weeks, what we've been seeing is that next step for the church, the early church, after Jesus rose from the dead and uh, ascended to the Father, was for them to receive the promise of the Father. So title of this series that we're in we should see by now that it's a promise about empowerment for the church uh, among all the promises of God if you could think about the promises of God and you know the many promises of God that are that are there captured in the scriptures uh, of all of those if there's any one that we should want to be fulfilled and realized uh, in our lives this is a big one you know the promise of the father Jesus told his disciples, don't leave Jerusalem without it. Because he knew that what they were going to do, that the plan for the early church, the plan for the apostles, was they were going to spread out with, you know, this um, uh, gospel of a resurrected Jesus, a resurrected Lord, and, uh, and that um, Christianity was going to be about uh, Jesus who died for our sins and rose again. And that was a very central aspect. And that they were going to go, but he was saying, don't go and share that message until you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, and I think sometimes Christians make the mistake of forgetting that they have to wait for it. Sometimes we have to wait for it. And uh, what God's doing, what he wants to do, the promise of the Father is God's empowerment to serve him. You know, I think it's it's ridiculous to go into a workplace and not empowered to, to, to work the way that you're supposed to work, you know. Not go in there with the tools that he's made available for us to actually do the work that we're called to. Amen. You know, um, on the day of Pentecost, so overtaken were they by the Holy Spirit's um, uh, uh, coming that they could hardly walk or talk. And the other key here is, is that they were full of joy. There was laughter, like you would expect from those that had had too much to drink. Getting a little loud now, you know, a little bit of raucous, a little bit of, you know, fun and joy. And it's, it's not hard to recognise that something bigger than miraculous communication for people from other languages was going on here. If you remember Acts chapter 2, they spoke in the tongues of men and angels we've seen, and so do we. So can we. And we've touched in on this previously. 1 Corinthians 14 is a great chapter all about tongues. But when you read it, you have to know the two main applications for tongues. We didn't hear too much tongues this morning, but there was a little bit of singing in tongues too. You can sing in tongues. Just pick up a little bit of a tune and away you go. 
And uh, it's another way to praise the Lord, another way to, to speak to God in song, making melody in your heart. And we're called to it. You know, when we speak in other tongues, sometimes it's a message in tongues that needs to be interpreted. You'll find that application of tongues right through 1 Corinthians 14 and also uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 12. If you're a studier, okay, and you want to have a little look, go and have a look. 1 Corinthians 14 has that one application of, uh, of tongues. When we speak in other tongues, sometimes it's a message of tongues. And you'll know because it needs to be interpreted. We've been in church services and someone will get up and, and it's like they belt out a tongue and they, they can't do anything but belt that out. And then that needs to be interpreted. In other words, there'll be an interpretation so that because it's of no use if it's just a tongue by itself without being interpreted. That's the gift of tongues and interpretation and they go hand in hand and they work together. And what I say is this, is that tongues and interpretation, when that gift is operating, and remember all of the gifts operate as the Holy Spirit wills. So I just can't come in and say, you know what, today, Pastor Jess, I feel like operating a gift of tongues. And she'll go, hmm, good, well I'll see if I can work on an interpretation. How many of you know it doesn't work like that? But some people operate in a gift of tongues more frequently than others. We're talking earlier this morning about, you know, the gifts of the Spirit mentioned there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, you know, sometimes you have a, a leaning toward one that you tend to operate in more than others. And, um, but tongues plus interpretation, if you can just get that equation with a plus sign between them, equals prophetic. Okay? So someone can come and give a, a, a prophetic word, and that's a gift that they operate in more than, more than others. And that's good. That would be the same. Because what you're hearing is a message from God. What you're hearing is something that God is saying to his people. And we want to have our ears and our hearts open for it. And, you know, get to discern over time. You know, the authentic. When you hear something authentic, it'll touch your heart. Amen? If you're tuned in. Amen. So we've got the gift of tongues. You know the gift of tongues when you hear it because there's always an interpretation. And... um, the other mention of uh, tongues in 1 Corinthians 14 is the prayer language that being filled with the Spirit enables when we pray the mysteries of God out. Spirit to spirit, you know, you're just praying direct. You know, there's no, there's no uh, uh, disconnection uh, with the Father's um, uh, perfect will because we're praying the perfect will of God. And, and I, I like, um, for this one, I particularly like Romans, uh, Romans 8, verse 26 and verse 27. It says, likewise... The Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Stop. Just stop there for a second. How many times have you felt frustrated in prayer because you didn't know how to pray? Didn't know enough of the, the Word of God to, to, to sort of pray something out. Didn't know whether that's the will of God. Just pray in tongues because you're praying the perfect will of God. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses times when we don't know what we should pray for. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Or the word is literally understood. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So we've got this prayer language that taps into the very heart of God and prays perfect prayer. I say to anyone who's Pentecostal, filled with the Holy Spirit, but, you know, I don't speak in tongues that much. I would say, get back into it. You watch the change, the turnaround. 
because you start to pray that perfect will, you know. Start with 15 minutes a day. I'm just going to pray in tongues. Oh, but I don't know what I'm praying, so I stop. No, just keep going. Just keep going. Just keep pressing in for that, for that prayer language to become really fluent and something that you do all the time. And you watch what happens. It becomes quite amazing. And not only that, but if, if you were to take your spirit man and say, I'm going to get my spirit man into the gym. You know what the, 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 the gym for the spirit man is? Praying in other tongues. Just praying in other tongues. Going down to that gym and just, you know, just exercising your spirit man. Because what happens, he grows. He gets more sensitive, more in tune, more able to see and know. Amen. And, uh, and there's a sensitivity that develops out of that as well. So Peter stands up, addresses the assembly on that great day of the uh, Pentecost, first day of Pentecost there, because what is happening needs an explanation, and he gives a good one. Some were saying that these people were drunk. To the secessionists, okay, secessionists, if you ever heard of the word, you can look it up in Google later. A secessionist believes that the gifts stopped when the last apostle died. That's what a secessionist believes. But to the secessionists listening in, I would ask, why did they think they were drunk? Just think, think about that. Why did they think they were drunk? Because if tongues on the day of Pentecost was only so people from other places could hear a message from God that they wouldn't normally be able to hear, if that was the purpose, why was it that people thought they were drunk? What's that got to do with a message? Hmm. That's right. So as the Holy Spirit is poured out, by God on the first day of the empowered church, the Apostle Peter gives the first Pentecostal message. And I want, I want us to just follow it along. I've got some interesting aspects of this uh, uh, inclusion of the Holy Spirit into the church age, and I want us to see it. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. In other words, listen in. Put aside your traditional thinking and ideas. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. I love this. Here Peter gives this event, spiritual event, a biblical foundation from the book of Joel. Don't think that you just have to be all over, given over into emotions and feelings to to be a spirit-filled believer, to be a Pentecostal. We should have a biblical foundation for the things of the Spirit. Can you say amen? We need to have a biblical foundation. In other words, because otherwise we're going to be subject to anyone's good ideas. Oh, I know what we'll do. We'll do this or we'll do this. And I've started doing this. and, And of course, we need to find the biblical foundation for that and always measure it. The word of God and the spirit of God go hand in hand. They go together. And it's a safe place to, oh, I'm just going to check what the word says about that. That's a safe place. God loves the studious. The Bible says study to show yourself a, 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 a workman of God that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You know, we're called to be a people that um, look to the word. Look what it says, uh, Acts chapter 2 and verse 17 to 21. It says, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. 
Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. It means our connection with God is going to be so fluid that he, you know, that we will prophesy, have dreams, we will have visions. We will see as the Father sees. And that's great. I don't know about you, but I've found it in life that all I want more than anything is his insights. I want to see what he's seeing. I want to know what he knows. It's a seeing and a knowing that comes as we press in for the Spirit. Look what it says in verse 18. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I'll pour out my Spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. And I, shall show, I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapour of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, Peter's sermon gives authenticity to the happenings of that day. And Peter's preaches a risen Lord Jesus as the focus for our salvation. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. See, a lovely couple here, I believe you're from Kununurra, a couple of weeks ago, came in here looking that you had something hanging on you, brokenness there, and, and I just know that God really dealt with you just two weeks ago. Something's different, isn't it? Amen. You know, you gave your hearts to him and, of course, they've given him control now. Amen. You watch what he does. It gets better, you know. just keeps getting better. Amen. Acts chapter 2, um, you know, uh, verse 28, it says, And you have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. I love that. You know, uh, here, Peter even preaches and gives a biblical foundation for the joy that they were seeing there on the day of Pentecost. They were laughing, you know, in the Holy Spirit. And of course, Peter quotes from David, King David from Psalm 16, you will make me full of joy in your presence. And those who have had that, those who have experienced the fullness of joy come upon them. And uh, and I know I often do, you know, different times, different aspects of ministry that I receive where I just can't contain it, or I just feel like laughing out and uh, just so full of joy as to what the Lord's doing. And, and it's even, it's not like someone told a joke, because I love a good laugh when someone tells a joke, but when the Holy Spirit gives you a little uh, nudge in the ribs and, and makes you have a good laugh, I tell you, it's moorish. You want more of that. Amen. Acts chapter 2 and verse 32, and it says, And, and Jesus, God, had, this is Peter still, uh, still preaching on the day of Pentecost, and Jesus, God has raised up, of which we were all witnesses, therefore being exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this, which you now see and hear. It wasn't just a message that tongues was for on that day. It's the start of the New Testament church. And it's outworked with power. Not a counselling session. Nothing wrong with counselling. I can't just say that. There's nothing wrong with counselling. I've had some counsel, I think, over, over time. But too many churches have become therapy centres. All right? And are known for therapy and, and, uh, and counselling. When God's original design is, is that the church would be known for a place where they could come and have an encounter with God. Can you say Amen. Amen. You know, the presence and power of God. And that's what we pray for. You know, we've stepped up our prayer in this church. Prayer, presence, 
power. You know, great sequence. His power to break every yoke of bondage, to set captives free, to be born again and to be filled with God's Holy Spirit. We should all stay, stay hungry for that. Even you know, as we maybe fulfill a role around the church, make sure that you understand that that's what you're there for, is so that people can come and, and have an experience with God. You know, sometimes we make our service in the Lord and in the house of God about something else. We have to, you know, we're contributing for people to have an encounter with the living God. That's what we're contributing to. Don't lose sight of that. You know, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God upon his people is not new technology. I'm just going to take a little rabbit trail now. Won't take long. But people being empowered by the Holy Spirit is not just a New Testament upgrade. It was the Lord equipping his people in the Old Testament as well. And we saw that. We saw, you know, the Lord... uh, working in people's lives. We, we talked about it just very briefly last week, and I believe it was Acts chapter 6 where we talked about Stephen, you know, how he was chosen. They had a problem in the church, and what they did was they said, well, we'll just appoint some people to look after that area, you know, just manage that area. And, they, and of course, they, they uh, you know, the apostles said, okay, uh, select from among yourselves uh, men full of the Holy Spirit. In other words, if you're going to do anything in the church, make sure it's someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit. Make sure that they're, they're not just there because they're, they're following a religious tradition that they've set for themselves, but that, that they're full of the Holy Ghost. Hearing his voice, knowing what he's saying, you know, being led. I tell you, and I'll just share a little testimony. I found that when, uh, when I was walking out my calling in the church where, where the Lord had told me to stay, all right, I got to a point where I knew the Lord what had planted me in this church. And the reason was it had a Bible college, I believe. So the Lord planned to be there and it was going to get me to go to Bible college. But in that first couple of years, I worked in every department that was available. And I found that it wasn't just because I was interested in this other department. He put me in a, in a department for a season so I could serve and learn. So I'd be in the ushering department. And, uh, you know, the head usher liked me because I was always there on time, you know. And, uh, you know, I was keen. I wanted to learn. I wanted to know how to do this. And then after a little while, I sat down and said, look, I'm, I believe the Lord wants me to go into the counselling department, you know, because we would counsel people after they got saved. They were taken out into a little room and given some books and a little bit of information about what, you know. And so I went into that department. And, you know, every week there'd be, you know, half a dozen, ten people that needed to just be counselled as they gave their hearts to the Lord. And so I got involved with that. And then, and then uh, uh, the, the Lord just started shifting me around in different areas. And each time there was something about the anointing, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that I learned for service so I could serve him. And uh, we have to understand that it's true about leadership as well. The Lord just doesn't grab you after you've you know, got your new little white Bible and throw you into leadership. You know, the pages are still clean. He doesn't throw you. He, he wants to grow you for those responsibilities. And, um, and I've certainly found that. And, uh, and I tell you who's a really good example of that. And the Lord equipping his people by his spirit in the Old Testament is David. He's a great example. There he is, 
faithful on his dad's farm. He's, he's just busy being faithful. If you say, what was he doing? Well, he's just busy being faithful, just doing whatever his father asked him to do. He was willing to be accountable. And God the Father sees him because that's the right heart. God loves a faithful heart. The Lord's wanting to anoint him as king over Israel. And the prophet Samuel gets the job of anointing a new king instead of Saul. God wants to empower David for service. And his service will be to serve God in leadership over the nation of Israel. Different anointing. Not everybody gets that anointing. Not everybody gets a kingly anointing. Not everybody gets a five-fold leadership anointing. But it's the same spirit that empowers us, that enables us. Amen? It's the same spirit. So I say, get some. You know, go on a roster. But seek God's empowerment to do that area of service. 1 Samuel 16 and verse 1, and we're just going to go through this in a little bit of time. So, And now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? We need a new king. Fill your horn with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. (laughs) Okay, what's he dealing with? How many of you know that Samuel is dealing with leadership envy? It's a thing. Leadership envy. And of course, that's King Saul. He's going to be the leader and no one else. All right? Leadership envy. And, uh, and of course, knowing that if Saul knew, he would kill, it, kill him. So the Lord gives him a strategy so that he can go and do that work, go and fulfill that calling to go and anoint David. He gives him a strategy so it's almost by surprise that it happens. How many know and worked out that God's design for kingdom leadership is that it's the Holy Spirit-led leadership. That's the kind of leadership that God's looking for. That's the kind of service he wants from us. Whether it's uh, putting the chairs out and just getting a little nudge from the Holy Spirit, oh, you might need to go back and do this and do that. How many, how many of you know that that's what we're talking about? Being empowered by the Holy Spirit is help, having his help. You know, for leadership, being in leadership by the Holy Spirit is having his help where we can see and know things and understand and, uh, and get prompts from the Holy Spirit. So kingdom leadership is Holy Spirit-led and uh, kingdom service is no different. It's Holy Spirit-led. The reason Samuel is processing it is because it's the burden of leadership to recognise, appoint, and anoint leadership. It's a prophetic exercise. Aren't you glad? Otherwise, leadership would just appoint the people they like. How would it be if we appointed people into leadership positions because they were our friends? (laughs) What a mess. What a mess that would be. And of course, Samuel's processing this. Leadership appointment is prophetic. Okay? And you need to trust your leadership and trust a leadership that's spirit-led in the Christian church. 
hopefully see some evidence of that. Otherwise, you would get into leadership by having the right friends. <laughs> and of course, who wants to be under leadership that is there because they had the right friends? I like Russell. Boys like Russell. Russell, there's an, a vacancy going in, um, in kids' church and I want you to head it up because you're my friend. Okay? And he knows he's not anointed for it. <laughs> Russell knows he has not got a children's ministry anointing on his life at all. And there's a whole lot of other people who would say that as well. But there are some that have. And they're out there in kids' church on roster and they're anointed to do it. What I'm saying is, is that that would be dangerous for him, dangerous for me, and dangerous for all of us for appointments of leadership to be done on that basis. Amen. Who wants to be under leadership that is just simply there because they had the right friends? Amen. There is no self-appointed leadership. Leadership led by the Holy Spirit who appoints leadership, no one else gets that job. You see, leadership needs to be appointed by the Holy Spirit. It's prophetic. We need to know that you cannot appoint yourself either. There is no such thing as self-appointed leadership in the kingdom of God. No such thing. And leadership is not through popularity. Don't try to have a leadership profile. It's a a recipe for failure is to try to have a leadership profile when you're not anointed for it. Getting very quiet in this Pentecostal church. (laughs) leadership appointments are worked out in the quiet places of prayer and it's through communication with the Lord that you get a sense you know and we know we know quiet places of prayer and even to the point where we are interrupted by the Lord in our prayer to give us a sense to give us an insight to give us a knowing And, and we love that we say Lord we love that Interrupt me, whatever you do. Who doesn't want to be interrupted by the Holy Ghost to know what he's saying? I say, interrupt me any time you want, Holy Spirit. You don't get voted into leadership. And I'm glad uh, this is a church uh, that, at a time, and again, in a, a rather difficult time in its history, it voted to outvote voting as a means of governance. It voted to outvote voting and, uh, and of course, moved away from a congregational governance um, model to a leadership led by the whole, a theocracy. You can't get into leadership by getting enough votes. Kingdom leadership is not the result of democracy. It's the result of theocracy. In other words, who's in charge? I tell you, And I might hear the occasional person say, hello, boss. But I tell you this, I'm not the boss. You know, I'm just surrendered to God's will. I want to see God's will being done. If you see me being bossy, it's probably because I see an area that God's will is not being done. You know, and I feel I need to get involved, you know. That's about it, you know. I know who the boss is, and you should know who who he is too. And be confident that he's going to lead us and guide us uh, as a church and congregation. For those that feel uh, they have a calling to leadership, hear me. 
the pathway for God's leadership appointments is paved with humility. Dying to self, dying to your own plans. It's consecration that prepares you for areas of responsibility. It's the cry of our hearts that says, as Kath mentioned in her communion message, Lord, not my will be done, but your will be done, Lord. You know, that's the pathway to leadership. It's humility. Uh, When Rose and I went through Bible college, uh, we went through with people that, you know, because it's an intense environment, you're there day in, day out. You get to know some of the other Bible college students and, and, um, you know, if you were choosing some leadership from among them, I would have picked them. They were better than us. You know, I don't mind saying, they were better than us, better looking, you know. Just had it all together. There was one guy in our Bible college class and he smelt so good. He had the best aftershave. And I'm not talking about once or twice, every day in Bible. Oh, gee, that's a great aftershave. What's that one called? You know, he had all that going on. You know, and I would have picked them good looking, intelligent, charismatic. And I can think of a couple who said, you know, we're doing Bible college and then we're going to buy a house. And I'm I'm listening. I'm all ears. You know, I'm going, I don't know what I'm doing. All I know is I'm in Bible college because God called me to go to Bible college and Rose is there with me. And um, but they're saying, well, we're doing Bible college and then we're going to buy a house and we're going to pay it off. And uh, we're going to do all that before we actually go into ministry. And I'm going, what a great plan, you know. We should do that too, Rose. (laughs) Who was I talking to this morning? Just God had another plan. It just came right across our track. Our plans, rubbish. In the bin, you know. What a waste of time to have your own plans. It's so much better to be led by the Holy Spirit. And... um, you know, the truth was that, that I, th- I think of that cup and I think to myself, I never saw them again. Never even get to hear whether they actually ever paid off the house and went into ministry. But, you know, they had their own plan. And we have to watch out that our plans are God's plans. Amen. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 6 says this, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. When's due time? Because I know most of the people want to know when that is. I don't want to wait, you know. When's due time? After you've humbled yourself, you'll find out. You know, and um, humbling yourself is like a bit like praying in faith. If you're prepared to believe forever, it won't take that long. You just have to be prepared to do the long yards, the long, you know, the long miles. Let's say with me this morning, due time. Due time. If you don't wait for the Holy Spirit's empowerment for leadership, you'll be left doing it in your own strength. You'll be doing it in your own ability, your own talents, and whatever skill sets you bring to the equation. And you'll be worn out doing it. God's ministry was never de- never designed to be done without him. Amen. And you'll be miserable. Worse than a worm on a fishing trip. Miserable, you know. 1 Samuel 16, but the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I'll show you what you shall do. So this is the strategy because of leadership envy from Saul. And I'll show you what to do. You shall anoint for me the one that I named to you. And David doesn't even get an invite to the ordination service. 
his dad, Jesse, doesn't even call him down from the, from the top paddock. Until Samuel gets the revelation that despite all the other brothers, their height, their good looks and the usual things that come with, you know, the world's idea of leadership. The Lord wants to empower people who have the right heart. And you know where you get the right heart from? The pathway of humility. You know, just humbling yourself. Saying, Lord, I don't know, not my will be done, Lord, but your will be done. God calls people from that place and he gives them their grace for the job ahead. Empowers them. Verse Verse 4 and 7, and it says there, So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem, and the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come peaceably? He's known for being pretty harsh. And he said, Peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed. He's a strapping man, tall, handsome bulked out, built. Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not look as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Amen. You'll never serve to deserve leadership. You can put the hours in, you can put the years in, but it doesn't make the difference. Be faithful in serving just where you are, not knowing what the future holds. Make sure you do that. God sees the heart. It's not decided in heaven because of accumulating enough merit points. I just do this long enough. Someone will appoint me to a leadership role. Hmm. Who would anoint the youngest for leadership? Who would have done that? God would. And so Samuel looks through, looks through all the older brothers and none of them get the nod, none of them get the Guernsey. Oh, the next king of Israel. It's the youngest, you know. First Samuel chapter 16 and verse 11, it says, And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? And then he said, There remains yet the youngest. And there he is keeping the sheep. I read this and I thought, there he is keeping the sheep. You know, wherever they were, they could see him up at the top paddock. There he is. And he's just there with his little crook and probably had his little guitar with him as well, singing to the Lord, you know, just faithful. Mm, what are they doing down there? So there's a bit of a party going on. Oh, well, as usual, I'm not invited. And yet he is. He's invited. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy. You know what that means? He was, he was red-headed. He was red-headed with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him for this is the one. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, poured oil all over him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Why? Because he was the right guy. And the Spirit of God turned up for his leadership. And you know, it's interesting. David gets anointed. David walks now with the empowerment of the Spirit of God. He's not called to serve in his own strength anymore, but the strength of the power of the Holy Spirit from that day forward. Holy Spirit leadership relies on his calling and his gifting. 
That's what we're after. That's what we're looking for. That's what God wants. And if my memory serves me well as far as numbers go, David doesn't get to be king for 13 years. He's walking in that anointing, that kingly anointing. He can take on Goliaths. He can do a whole range of things. But he can run from those that are trying to capture him and kill him. And he's got the help of the Holy Spirit the whole time. But he doesn't actually get to sit on the throne for 13 years. Some people do not want to go 13 days without walking walking in their leadership. You know, what they feel, you know, belongs to them. Boy, let's make sure that, you know, we're a people that rely in ministry, in service on his giftings and his callings and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Because in the church age, there is no substitute. In this church age that we're in, It'll make all the difference. And you'll see those that make the mistake of thinking they can do it by themselves, those that think that they can do it under their own ability, they're going to get worn out. They're going to just end up casualties on the battlefield. Thanks, Pastor Jess. Casualties on the battlefield. And God says, and if that's you, and I know that's the message for today, if you've been there, if you've had that, God wants you to get up. The word I got, and this was yesterday, was step up. God wants you to step up. Again, don't forsake his calling for your life because the Bible says that his gifts and callings are without repentance. What that means is that whatever he's called you to, whatever gifting he's placed on your life, he'll never change his mind about it. Just because of something that you've been through or someone that hurt you or someone that did the wrong thing by you. We've all been there. We've all had that, and we have to get up and get through it, you know. Praise the Lord. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about the future. Amen? I'm excited about what God's got for us all as we move forward in him. And, you know, no matter what your trajectory looks like at the moment, God's got good things for you. Step up, you know, get up, and, uh, and let's walk that out. Amen? Praise the Lord. I'm going to close on that. So I just went a few minutes over time there. We've, we are going to have some morning tea afterwards, so don't feel if you're visiting with us today, don't feel you need to rush off, you know. Grab a, grab a table, grab some food and have some fellowship together. But I just want to make an invitation this morning, if that's you, maybe, uh, Brenda, if you wouldn't mind just coming and taking up the, uh, the ivories. Um, you know, if that's you this morning, and maybe there's some aspects of today's service that's really ministered to you, You know, we believe that the burden-removing, yoke-destroying anointing is here, you know, and we would encourage you that if you've been carrying a weight and you know it's not from God and it's just you, you've been carrying that and it's on you and you're wanting that broken off today, I believe it's time to come down the front and deal with it. Time to come down to the altar and give it to God and say, Lord, I'm not going to carry this anymore. I don't want it on my life that's you I don't, I don't know what it is you know but I believe there's a few here that have been carrying some stuff and every time you think you've gotten over it you sort of pick it up and carry it again God says no time to get it off your life once and for good amen that might be you and I, I really appeal to you this morning come on down the front you know we're going to close after a song and you can come down with the quietness and we'll just pray for you and just get it off so you can step up without that weight holding you back Amen. Let's be that people that are free 
in Jesus' name. Amen. And I want to make an invitation too. If you're here this morning and you've never prayed that prayer of salvation, if you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, if you've never said, you know, I believe in Jesus, that he died on the cross for my sins and rose again. If you've not prayed that prayer, please come on down the front as well. I'd love to pray for you and, uh, and, see, um, and see salvation come flowing in like he does and like he will. So if that's you, come on down the front and, uh, and be ministered to. I might ask the rest of the team uh, to come and join uh, Brenda on the stage. We just sing this last song. Let's take some time for the Holy Spirit to move this morning. We can, the morning tea will be coming out shortly, but let's just press in and see what the Lord wants to do in our hearts this morning. Amen.